0: Hey, what's going on? I'm Jeremy Lee, and you are listening to Reading the Play, the show where athletes share their story and experiences about life in sports. Additionally, we'll break down some key decisions they made so that you can get a better understanding of their journey and where they are today. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can hear other great stories by athletes. You can also find them on sportcalgary.ca. And for more content, look up the Facebook page, Reading the Play, and to get the latest news including new episodes dropping follow on instagram at reading the play or myself at legacy guess what we're back my apologies as we went on a lengthy hiatus but you know what sometimes life gets in the way so i've labeled these next three episodes including this one with ian as from the vault episodes seeing as they were recorded before the pandemic so still some great stories to come including this one in this episode we sit down with former state trojans guard ian tevis Ian's got an incredible story coming from Kent, Washington, all the way up here to Alberta, starting out in Red Deer and eventually finding his way to Sate. We recorded for about three hours, and somehow I managed to squeeze the story into two, which still ended up being the longest episode to date, but I am grateful for Ian's openness and his willingness to dive into all different areas of his basketball journey. So I'll keep it short, and it looks like Ian's all warmed up on the hot seat. Let's get it. Ian Tevis joining me today on Story Island. Excited to have you here. Just finishing up your last season, uh, this one with the State Trojans, and
1: now you're finished your collegiate career. How crazy is that? Man, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's set in yet. Pleasure to be here, by the way. But I don't know if it's even set in. I haven't thought about it. I'm trying <laughs> not to. How's Calgary treating you, by the way? I love Calgary, man. One of the big reasons I came to State. Um, in the recruiting process, I worry about a couple of things. some people worry about other things you know top of my list is um definitely like coach relationship and uh location okay um, obviously, how good the team is, what program they offer as a school all of that goes into your decision, but Calgary was definitely a big uh a big reason I came to say
0: Ian, you're from. Kent, Washington, originally. Uh, born and raised? Yes, sir. And how far from Seattle is that?
1: About 15, 20 minutes south of Seattle, I would say.
0: Growing up, what was it like? Um, you know, family members, like how many siblings did you have?
1: Yeah, um, my uh, my mom and my dad were divorced. Um, don't really remember when. I can't think. I, I don't have any memory of them being together. Pretty young, um, yeah. Yeah, very young. Uh, so it was just me and my two sisters, Sajri and Natasha, and uh, my mom, and Kent, growing up in four-bedroom house.
0: What was your introduction to basketball like then?
1: You know, I don't remember if it was my mom or my dad. It's probably my dad. He's more of a basketball fan than my mom is. Um, put a basketball in my hand, and uh, I I remember being on Fisher Price hoop, you know, starting out a little four-foot hoop or something. And uh, I just remember playing out in front of my house, Playing out in front of my house all day, all night. My next door neighbor, Mister Washington, would have to come out and tell me, "Ian, it's you know two, three in the morning. You need to. You're too loud. You need to go and I know you have all this energy, but people have work in the morning. You need to go to sleep." I was like, "Okay, you know that happened more times than I can count."
0: Was it just you out there, or were you just playing games with other kids on the block?
1: Uh, no. So I lived in a cul-de-sac. Okay. And uh, my cul-de-sac, we had one basketball hoop, so all day after school, during the summer all day, all night we would play. But yeah, I would definitely be out there by myself till three A.M.
0: Didn't I matter thought. if anyone was out there or not, hey? You'd be out there No,
1: it was definitely Hoop was in front of my house and I played on it all day, all night. Birthday parties was just all that with a cake. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing nothing ever crazy. It was just, you know, we were just always, always playing basketball. Me and probably a group maybe eight to ten Guys, kids growing up. And uh, I remember my friend, his grandpa got a hoop. They lived across the cul-de-sac from us. They got a hoop, so we had two hoops. And we would play full court in that cul-de-sac all day. Throwing alley-hoops, lowering the hoops, putting the hoops on 10. Anything you could think of, we would do it. (laughs) It It was paradise. Those games must have been pretty intense. Oh, man, those games was the ones. Fighting... (laughs) <laughs> they end up pushing down, you're on concrete with your friends, you know, I got some scars on my face from hitting, um, one time I dunked it and hit my head on the pole, because I may got pushed or fell off balance or something. Probably pushed. Yeah, you know, just, you know, you're just little kids, you don't think about it. But it was fun, it was fun, we all had fun. Did
0: it get to a point where your mom just stopped asking you what happened?
1: Um, yeah, I don't even know if... She never really cared in the first place because we were outside playing. My mom's always been a person to like get her kids outside, get them playing, doing something. So we come back with some bumps or bruises. She wasn't going to use that as an excuse for us. We never really wanted to stay inside. We were never that. We were the ones, you have to be back in this house by the time the street light came on. And we would be standing on the porch. Like every second we could get of some sunlight, we would, we would have it.
0: Did you, did you play any other sports growing up?
1: I played football and I played track, and I played soccer. I was an athlete man, I played it all, but uh I wasn't able to continue to dedicate the time to all of them as well. you know so as I got older, I got to high school and um, track and soccer were the same season, so I had to make a choice so I chose track. I was really good at track. I actually was better at track than I was basketball. No way. Yeah, real talk.
0: What uh, What event?
1: Triple jump, long jump, high jump, 200, Okay. 800. Okay. I, I could do it, man. I could run. I could run and jump. I loved it. I still love it to this day. I want to be 80 years old running a marathon. 100%. <laughs> <laughs>
0: man, what was the Seattle basketball scene looking like club scene um minor basketball
1: uh you know growing up I didn't really we had our little uh city of Kent our little leagues that we had the little kids I didn't really play any AAU basketball um growing up in in Seattle just didn't really have the money for it but um still found ways to play basketball on teams so we had Kent parks and recreation I would play on those teams um I remember I got a chance to play on an AAU team for about a year maybe a year and a half, maybe two years. Um, it's a crazy story, actually. So I've always been really good at basketball with our little Kent Parks recreation teams. My dad would coach, and uh, I was always really good. I was always one of the best ones. Sure. Um, I remember he had, he'd have to tell me to stop to stop stealing the ball. i would have, like, ten steals or something. He'd tell me to stop. I had to stop. And um, so I got a tryout to go play on this aau team so i get to this my mom drives up she drops me off at the school i walk into the school i'll never forget this i'm in um i'm in yellow pants i don't know what i'm doing i got yellow sweatpants on and uh don't even have any shorts i just was showing up to play in pants that's just how i was you know i don't know and uh i show up I put on my shoes and I sit there and I'm in there by myself, right? All these other kids got their parents there. They're talking to the coach, everything. So I'm just sitting over here on the side on the bench, just sitting down. I'm too scared. I'm too scared to go talk to these people. And uh, so I sit there and they start practice or or the tryout or whatever it was. And uh, they're going. They're just playing. And I'm sitting on the side. And I'm just chilling. I'm just like, should I say something? I'm like, um, is this how it works? Am I supposed to be here? Maybe, I, Maybe I came the wrong day everything. And I'm just sitting here, this is before cell phones and all this, you know? So like my mom dropped me off. She's coming to pick me up at nine or whatever. And that's me for the next two, three hours. (laughs) Um, so I'm sitting there and, uh, sure enough, the whole practice goes by. They're coming down to the end of practice. They're, they're starting to play, um, full court and my mom shows up and she's like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, why are you on the side? And I'm just like, "I, I don't, I don't know. I don't even remember what I told her. I just remember being like, in an awkward place and being kind of just like scared to, to go over there and say something. Mm. So I finally, so she goes over talks to the guy. She's like, yeah, my son here is here for the tryout. And, uh, he's like, okay. Yeah. So looking back on it now, I don't know why he would let a kid sit. Yeah. In the gym. You think someone would come over. You think somebody would, right? Yeah. I, no one did. I, I can, I can tell you that happened. No one did. I sat there. I remember. And, um, I ended up playing for the last, I'm not joking, 15, maybe 10, 15 minutes of the practice. In your yellow pants? In my yellow pants. I was wearing yellow pants and a blue shirt. Okay, don't <laughs> – hey, look, look. <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I don't even remember what shoes I was wearing, but I know there wasn't no fly kicks. It was no. probably not even some basketball shoes. But um, I start playing and, I, and I'm killing. Yeah. I'm, I'm shooting good. I'm, I'm playing good defense. I always could play good defense. I right. always could steal the passing. Passing lanes. I was always good at that. Um and uh, I'm killing. I'm killing their best players last 10 minutes. And the guy, I specifically remember him stopping the practice and being like, look, who's going to stop this guy? Who's going to stop this guy? And I, looking back on it, I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I'm the man. I'm probably better than these guys. I feel like I am. I got confidence. I was scared at first. And once I got that confidence, it was different. It was, story. It was different, yeah. And I ended up being on the AU team, the Kent Bulldogs. Okay. Introduced me to a couple – couple new circle of hoopers you know and um, I'm still friends with today and that's really what took off to really make me the basketball player I am today is I I really got good in those next couple years that I got to play for AAU two years maybe and then started high school.
0: Did you travel a lot with
2: AAU? No. No? It was all in state?
1: All in state all in state yeah it was just a nice little local AAU team it was awesome it was great we didn't play like any of those crazy tournaments. Right, um, I've, I've heard about those. That's yeah, why I was, yeah, we didn't play in any of those. I didn't play on a, on a national um, ranked AAU team. Okay. AAU scene in Seattle is very good. There's very good teams that have been famous, but no, I wasn't even, I was nowhere near any of those guys, never. Did you
0: come across and, and tangle with any players that are now in the NBA?
1: For sure, yeah. Being in Seattle, you just you just rub shoulders with NBA greats honestly I don't even know if we put average people in the league yeah. everyone from Seattle that's in the league is is really good you know um, growing up I, I, I don't remember playing against a lot of guys that made it all the way to the league but I remember playing against guys that definitely could have um, played high D1 you know um, great guys and then after me graduating high school starting to play in those those city um like the pro am. I played in the pro am, so you know, I played against Isaiah Thomas and I played against Jamal Crawford and you know, guys like that, Nate Robinson, Zach Levine. Okay, Mr. Defense, what was it like guarding those guys? I think I outscored I think I outscored IT, I ain't gonna lie. I don't remember. I think I had I don't know, he might have outscored me. I think he had like thirty three. <laughs> I think he had like thirty three. It was it wasn't really much of a defensive game as you can imagine. I, I played pretty well though. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely played pretty well.
0: As you're observing those guys, though, what what stands out with how they play, and just what allows them to be at that next level?
1: Oh, I don't think people understand uh, how easy and how relaxed they are in those situations, um, playing in those city tournaments or you know just at a random open gym. You don't understand the the intensity that goes into a a NBA basketball game the importance of every possession you know um the fact that they control every possession every situation that they're in hmm. lets you know how good they are to me that to me that is what defines if a basketball player is really good is can you control things on the floor do do people gravitate towards you you know does do you the, draw the attention of the do defenders? Do you draw yeah. the attention, you know? Yeah. Anyone can go drop 30, but can you drop 30 when five guys are looking right at you, right. when their coaches told them for the whole week, we're going we're gonna to play number six this way, we're going to play number six this way. He comes off screens, we're going to double team. You know, he drives right, we're going to force him this way, we're going to trap him here, all that, right? Can you drop those points against that? That's a completely different story, right? So when it comes to those NBA players, those guys are in a completely another another level. James Harden scoring 30 points in like 35 straight games or something. I don't think he under, I don't think people understand It doesn't matter how many step backs you shoot for grown men in a professional basketball league to go night in and night out defensive scheming to stop you. They have booby traps, they have they have a uh, Spies, they have all that just so you don't get to that thirty-point mark, and you still do it. You know, that's that's crazy. LeBron going to the finals. Eight eight straight eight times. Yeah, that's right. It doesn't matter who you are for a team to just for you not be able to beat one player four times. <laughs> that's a am- mate I don't think people understand how how how, how underrated him doing that is. Even, even, even it's amazing to do it, but it's overlooked. It's overlooked eight straight years. People left the, they shaped the whole NBA. He shaped the whole NBA. Yeah. Everyone was going to the West. All those players going to the West because they're not getting past LeBron James in the East. Right. People don't understand how good you have to be for that to happen.
0: You went to federal way high school. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: that is correct. I did go to federal way high school. Uh well I did not start at Federal Way High School. Okay. So I'm from Kent. Um so I went to Kent Meridian, my first three years of high school. I lived with my mom. And what a lot of people don't know is I the whole time, every every season I'm I'm playing really well. I'm I remember uh wow, okay. I'm gonna tell this story too. He got me telling stories. Story island out here got me. Uh all right. Uh my tenth grade year. I did not make the basketball team. I remember I'm going I'm going to tryouts. I think I'm the best basketball player in the school, honestly, in my 10th grade year. And um, I'm not f- reaching to say that. I go to the tryouts, and I'm killing. Killing the seniors, killing the what you guys call it, grade 12s, grade 11, other yeah. grade 10s. Yeah. Killing everybody at tryouts. You go to the. Paper the next day or whenever the next couple of days, paper out in front of the coach's office, see who made the team. Varsity? No. J V? No.
0: Not even JV.
1: C team, which is tenth grade. Not on the team. Wow. So I see coach gets in there at four PM or whatever. So I'm at his I'm at the I'm at the office at like three fifty. Sitting there. you know, like, What's up? You and know, you're... what's going on? And uh my grades didn't make it. Didn't make the team because of my grades. Oh, crazy thing, I'm telling you, is crazy. Crazy. Never thought it would happen. Like, never thought it would stop me from being on the team, you know. Maybe stop me from playing the first game. Maybe stop me from playing half the season, you know, whatever. Or even let's just say I don't play a game the whole season. But I'm on the team. I'm practicing, you know. Nope. Off the team. Every game. I was at every game in the stands watching. Whole season.
0: What were you feeling after that? Were you angry? Were you frustrated?
1: I was I was really frustrated because I was already in the process of getting my grades up. Right. And for him to not trust that I could get my grades up before even the first game, um, really frustrated me. But I had to get over it. So I remember I just used it as I would I didn't have practice, right? So I would go to the gym. We would have practice from whatever five to seven. I would go to the gym from five to seven. I remember I would go to Bally's Total Fitness. I was one of the youngest kids there, always playing with these grown men. And I got real, and I got real good. But still played with all my friends. Still everything. Still hung out with everybody. But when it came down to basketball, I was I was at the gym by myself with all these grown men. So after that, came back the eleventh grade year. Clearly the best basketball player in the school now. Everyone knows this. It's not a secret. Like um go to tryouts try out kill kill the tryouts grades are better grades are good everything i'm telling you man i'm coming back fire yeah fire boom go to the sheet go to the paper after tryouts look at varsity no name i look at jv my name's on jv so i made the team right crazy so we had this thing where you could like split you could play uh half a jv game and half a varsity game me and the coach, varsity coach, did not get along. He was the reason that I didn't make it's the team. The varsity team, right? He was the reason that I didn't make the team last year uh-huh. at all. This year I had the grades. So, but whatever, I don't know. Maybe he didn't believe that I was going to keep my grades up. Maybe he didn't think that uh, I was coachable. I don't know. I've always been this person that I am now. I never changed. I've always been this friendly, outgoing person. Um,
0: but it's interesting, though. You At that age, you get almost like a rude awakening or a rude introduction to a having to keep your grades up and also be politics.
1: Yeah, that is, that is a great, um, advice. I guess I want to say being introduced to politics, Mm. you got to put on that face. Sometimes you have to talk that talk. You have to, you know, you have to, um, be able to adapt to any situation you're in and still, come out of there with people respecting you or people looking up to you or whatever you know
0: because it must be frustrating thinking what did i do to this guy but i can't even make the varsity team
1: yeah yeah didn't happen but i told you i was optimistic that i would be playing half jv half varsity so we get to the first game i don't play I played the full game, JV. Obviously, JV plays before varsity. So you're like, you play the full game. Your coach plays you in the second half. You know it's over. You're not playing varsity that night, right? So we go over. We play a couple games this season. Um, then we get to a game, and we're up by like 40 at halftime or something. I have I remember I have 28 points at halftime, and I don't play the second half. So me and my boy, were sitting on the bench. We both didn't play the second half. We're sitting there like. Yo, tonight's the night we're gonna be able to play varsity, you know. Get to into the locker room after, and um, we go up and we talk to him. We, just, yo, are we gonna be able to play varsity tonight We didn't play. We come in the rock, locker room hyped. Yo, we didn't play. We didn't play second half. You know what's up, da, da, da. coach? His name is Coach Sylvan, Hank Sylvan. I hope he doesn't hear this, but he probably he probably won't. But if he does, shout out Hank Sylvan. But uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, he. Uh, You'll never, you'll never be ready to play varsity. You'll never be ready to play varsity. Da-da-da-da. So we get getting like a little bit of argument. Even the varsity guys are like, yo, Ian's killing it. Like, there's no rivalry. All the players know that I'm the best player. Right. People are asking me after every game, why aren't you on varsity? Why aren't you on varsity? So I finally get a chance to think I'm going to play varsity. Don't play varsity. Go the whole 11th grade year, do not play a game of varsity. I'm averaging 25 plus, 26 plus. Just torching it. Didn't at JV. didn't play a couple second halves, yeah. I'm telling you, it was a. It's kind of like that year that Steph Curry still had
0: those high averages, and he was resting in the fourth quarters. Yeah, That's probably what it kind of felt
1: like right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it was it was um you just put in your work in the first half, and but you you let. I've always your... been about winning, though. I've always been about winning. So the craziest part was our varsity team isn't winning. Mm. They're not winning. Yeah, and the best player in the school is playing JV. <laughs> So after something's the, not
0: adding up there, right?
1: After the season, everyone's telling me I should go to Federal Way, I should go to Federal Way. My dad lives in Federal Way. You get a free transfer to go to Federal Way. Everyone's like, you should go to Federal Way, you should go to Federal Way. I'm thinking to myself, I want to be loyal. I've, I've played three years at Kent Meridian. Why not play my fourth year with all my friends instead of transferring to a new school and um end up staying at Kent Meridian? And I'm thinking to myself, there's no way he can cut me now. Like I have to play varsity this year. I I'm a senior. Grade 12. I have to. Get to the day before tryouts. I transfer to Federal Way High School. Day, what was, what b- was day the before.
0: Switch? What was the switch?
1: I don't know, man. I was literally all summer and all, like, that first, like, half of football season. Yeah. I'm just uh, on the fence. Should I, should I go to Federal Way? Should I not? Should I go to Federal mm-hmm. Way? My dad, come live with me. You can come live with me. You can come live with me. Um, don't think nothing of it. Then it starts creeping up. Then it starts creeping up. Decided to make the switch. Federal Way is one of the best basketball schools in the in the state. Yeah, and uh, to today they're one of the best. They are one of the best high schools in the country. That's amazing. They were one of the best high schools in the state. And I'm over here like I think I can save KM. Last minute decided to go to Federal Way. Transferred the day before tryouts. Oh my goodness! I remember I. I I don't go to tryouts at Kent Meridian. Everyone's going crazy. My phone, people are blowing me up. Where are you, you at? Yeah. Where are you at? Where you at? Uh, I go to Federal Way now.
0: Wow. Did you have a spot secured already, or did you still have to earn your way into the starting rotation? What was it like?
1: Yeah, it was actually pretty crazy. Uh, I was going to I was going to open gyms okay in Meridian at Kent Meridian and Federal Way before tryouts, so I was already everything was already good. The last game of my junior year. I played Federal Way. I had 36 points. I had three dunks. On a JV, on a JV oh, team. Man. Yeah, right? Yeah. At, the end of the, at the end of the game, the coach comes to me and says, what are you doing on, on JV? I said, I don't know, you got to talk to Coach Silver. <laughs> he says, come to Federal Way. We got a spot for you on varsity. That was the last game of my JV. So the whole thing is lingering. I already, I'm going to open gyms. I'm making friends in Federal Way. Everything. Finally get there, take off. We, I think we lost three games. We lost two games in the regular season, and we lost in the state championship game. But I would take – I cut my – number. all my numbers got cut. I wasn't tripping because I've always been about winning. Always been about winning, 100%. Ended up losing in the state championship game. But we went like 30-3 and three or something like that. It was a great season. I only averaged like 10 points, but we had like six guys averaging double figures, you know, instead of one guy averaging 30, you know. So – It was a great basketball move.
0: But that was your final season of high school, right? Yeah. Were you not worried, though, at all about what the next step would bring and your numbers being cut in half and all that?
1: Uh, So this is an easy question and a hard question to answer. The easy part is when I was at Kent Meridian and even when I was at Federal Way, I wasn't given a great – I wasn't given great information about what to do after high school. Okay, there was not there was not very good leadership in terms of getting kid, not just me, kids in general. Yeah. Most kids they they would go to college or whatever, they would get into a school or they would go to community college or whatever, but they didn't teach what I think is what they do now. They have definitely fixed it now. Hmm. Um but yeah, Kim Reading and Federal Way were definitely two of the worst schools in terms of schools that I've seen or been a part of getting their kids ready for the next level right and um and i think i'm a product of that a hundred percent i was not prepared
0: so you left in the dark really
1: yeah i was not prepared after um after i got done with high school um i didn't think i was gonna play really i had a couple offers for track
2: <laughs> there you go i
1: told you i was better at track that than i was jump, basketball. when i went to federal way i uh i got sixth in the state in triple jump like when i went to that's a different story oh my goodness. I shifted. You think I shifted? I didn't do anything for basketball. Federal Way was already one of the better basketball teams in the state. Right, yeah. Kent Meridian was one of the worst basketball teams. Me going from Kent Meridian to Federal Way did not change anything. But Kent Meridian's track team and Federal Way's track team were two of the best in the state. And when I tell you that we went undefeated my junior year at Kent Meridian, and then my senior year we went undefeated at Federal Way, and Federal Way and Kent and played each other, and my points were the difference in the match. Not saying my events were, it just it just happened. I scored fourteen points and we won by nine. So, that was that was an insane time when, because track was affected the most. Right, track yeah. was the basketball program. Wasn't mad. He didn't want me there anyways. Mm-hmm. When I transferred, I, I didn't talk to him again. He didn't call me. What are you doing? Why would you do this? No, none of that. Hmm. He was happy. I was gone. And Federal was happy I was there. But track I, I ruined relationships that I haven't recovered from today. They were mad. They were very mad that I left. Crazy. Yeah. But it is what it is.
0: How did you continue your basketball career then, if you were thinking this is it?
1: So like I said, I didn't get any um I didn't get any offers for basketball outside of um outside out out of high school. And uh I just I didn't think nothing of it. Where where I'm from, you kind of go to high school, maybe you go to college, maybe not. You just get a job. So I ended up getting two jobs. I was doing a after school program with these kids, and I was working at Target. Target in the states is a good place. Oh, not Target up here yeah. people hate it, but <laughs> Target in the that, states that's is trash up here, man. Yeah, people love it up. People love it down there. So I uh, moved out. Me and my sister moved out. I was probably out of high school for maybe two months. I think me and my sister moved out. Me, her, and her boyfriend was working two jobs and started life, honestly. Um, Was still going to community college, just taking here classes, classes here and there, online classes, whatever. And um, did that for about two or three years. Didn't think nothing of it. Still playing basketball. Okay. City leagues, um, going to the gym, all that. And then I remember, I'll never forget it. One day I woke up and... One day I woke up and was like, I'm too good at basketball to not get school paid for. Too good. So I uh, emailed, I want to say maybe 10, 11 coaches. Emailed them. Didn't have any highlight tape. Didn't have anything. Just emailed them. Can I come try out for your school? Do you have a spot? Is there anything I can do this year or next year? Sent it out to numerous people. I got three emails back from... Everett Community College Whatcom Community College And Highline Community College Highline Community College Right up, right around the corner It's right in the next city Everett Community College About an hour up north Whatcom Community College Way up north Right by Canada hmm. In Bellingham Okay Maybe two and a half hours north Yeah yeah The other two schools That I go to their I go to their tryout They offer me Everything's good They want me to come they see me play, I'm good. Whatcom, they tell me I can redshirt. Whatcom was the best school by far. Hmm. Could have went to the other schools, maybe really played well. Different story. I, de- I decided I wanted to go to a program that was winning. I told you it was all about winning. That's right, yeah. And coach relationship. I really had a good relationship with the coach. Seemed like a great guy, Chris Scrimsher. Shout out coach, Chris Scrimsher. <laughs> I don't think he's a coach anymore. I think he might be an athletic director um but uh he gave me a shot I redshirted the whole year came back and went to work my freshman year of college now i think i was 20 21 a maybe, little older maybe,
0: right than a normal freshman
1: yeah no more freshman yeah. 18 19 i'm 21 22 and uh played had a great year we got we won our division ended up going to the tournament ended up uh i think we won our first one lost our second one Kind of heartbreaking, but it was it was great. Great first year of college. Mm-hmm. Awesome first year of college. Then um, at the end of the season, decided that uh, me and the coach weren't really vibing, weren't okay. really looking for the same thing, weren't really looking. At the same time, I can call him t- today and have a great conversation. We never argued. I was always coachable. I was always coachable. That's one thing my dad, my parents, my mentors have always said, be coachable. So it wasn't about my attitude. We didn't. It was just two guys that had different. Views of what they wanted, sure. Happening. So, yeah. we decided to part ways, and um, then I. What were you looking for at that point, though? I remember I just, as a coach, as I told you from the jump, he was a great guy. But over a span of two years, we kind of saw that maybe we weren't as perfect of a fit as as we thought from the from the from the jump. And right. I think that was more so we were just different people than a first impression. Like, like I said, first impressions, we, we met each other. We, it wasn't even like a job interview. It was just like two guys chilling, talking and could help each other out. I could help out his program. He could help me get some exposure. And we always said it would go on beyond that. And we decided maybe about 80% through the season that I was, might not come back. And then, so at the end of the season, it was kind of a, it was just a good conversation to sit down. He helped me find another school. And, uh, we went about it, but I loved I loved playing for Wacom. I loved playing for Chris, and actually, he ended up stepping down after I left. Hmm. And Dave Dunham was the head coach who I got along with great. would have Would have stayed if I had oh, known that, but yeah. it didn't happen. But uh, moving on, like uh, I had to sit out a year because I decided to go to Edmonds. Ah, uh, okay. You transfer within the same. League or whatever the rule was, you have to
0: sit out a year. You have
1: to sit out a year. Okay. So now I'm 22, going on 23, and I have to sit out another year of basketball. But I know that the upside is good because Edmonds wants me. Edmonds has been. I go to their open gyms. I, you know, I'm I'm basically on the team. I'm I'm already committed to them for the next season. So right. I'm part of the family. I feel great, everything. And then um got to Edmonds, and that's really when I decided to take basketball really seriously we were a very talented basketball team and I knew what the league looked like from playing in it before whereas my first year I didn't know what the league was about I didn't know you know how to interact with refs I didn't know because now I'm a grown man you know I'm not Mm -hmm. 16 17 in high school in college you kind of can start to express yourself a little bit more you can start to talk to the refs you can start to um, meet the other coaches you know, things that you cared about a lot more now than you didn't even think about in high school. Mm-hmm. High school you're just thinking about okay, I got eight minutes to score as many points as That's I can. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um but now you're starting to understand it's a real game. It's real political, like you said. And uh It's all about fostering relationships. Yeah. It man, I'm telling you, and I know you know, but it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. Absolutely. Hundred percent. Don't let anyone tell you different. And that's how it got me to Edmonds. It was who I who I knew.
0: What was the switch for you though to take it more seriously? Was it seeing the team around you playing at an elevated level?
1: I'll tell you, hundred percent. It was my age. Okay. I saw that the I saw I'm playing with kids that are coming straight out of high school who did have the guidance. Like I told you, I just sent out some emails. Yeah. Never even did that coming out of high school. Coming out of a state championship caliber team. I'm a, I'm a very good basketball player, never even sent out an email. I was just like, I didn't get no offers. Maybe I'm not good enough. I don't even know if I'm good enough. You know, it's over. So I saw kids that were recruited out of high school who did send those emails out. And I'm seeing that I'm three, four, five years behind the, 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 the ball, mm-hmm. you know? And you get two years of community college ball. I already played one. So this is my last year of community college ball. That's right. It could be my last year playing basketball. And uh, that's what made me get serious. Hundred percent, it was time to grow up. Now I have to look at it more towards it, more as a job, more as an investment. It's not a game no more. Do I want to get my school paid for? All right, I have this team that's paying for my school. Now let's let's keep going. What else can I do? How far can I take this basketball?
0: So you talked about how you you had a pretty good season at Edmonds and just
1: playing with a pretty good team, right? Yeah, the team at Edmonds was um, top to bottom the most talented team I've ever played on hmm. in terms of. Um, talent in that league like in terms of a team in the league that we're in a talent on that we had easily 10 10 starters five of our guys could have started on another team 100 percent. and we all decided to go to edmonds remember i was going to come to edmonds the year before that's right yeah but i couldn't i had to sit out a year that just helped them out helped me out now we have another guy coming in to a year that we already were stacked so i don't even start on the team I don't think a lot of people know that because I came up to Canada and I was so good. I didn't even start, and I'll tell you why I didn't start. I had a conversation with Coach Gray before the season even started. I was already an older guy the year before. Mm-hmm. Now I had to sit out a year. Now I'm a year older. So he's like, "I have guys that started last year that are good that are I and I know what I can get from you. You're a veteran guy. You understand time in a game you want you, you don't care if you start or not and i told him from the from the from the jump i didn't care if i started or not i knew i would be in there at the end of the game you know and that's something that i think a lot of people should take away hmm. it doesn't matter who starts the game right it doesn't matter how you start it's who closes it's who closes right yeah. doesn't you could be the 12th man on the bench but if if your coach believes you're one of the best closers and you're in there in the fourth quarter what are you complaining about because that's crunch time right if you only play eight minutes a game But it were all the last eight minutes of the game. I'm not complaining. Hmm. I'm out there when it matters, right? Yeah. I didn't care if I started. Went the whole year. Didn't start. Didn't start one game. We went all the way to the championship game. We lost. (laughs) But we went there. I had a great year. Great year, man. It It was a blessing to play for Edmonds that year. I didn't start. I averaged, I think, eight or nine points. I knew I was always solid. I knew I finished games. I had a couple game winners. Name another player you know or another coach that would draw up a game-winning play out of a timeout for a player that comes off the bench. No, I got nothing for you. It man. was me and – I remember it was me and Charlie, and we're sitting there. The game's tied. There's like seven seconds left. Coach calls timeout. Me and Charlie are the two best players on our team. We play the same position, which is why I came off the bench. Mm. We're sitting there looking at the 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 pad. Is he gonna say Ian or is he gonna say Charlie? Ian draws it. Ian come off the screen. All right, that's it right there. He draws up a backup plan in case I'm not open for Charlie, of course. But uh, the play was for me. Caught the ball, shot it, made it. The rest is history. I don't. Know. I think that shot is probably what got me the recognition I needed to come to Canada. Hmm. And I owe it all to Coach Gray from that, from that jump. And the best part about it was Charlie. He was my roommate. We're best friends. He didn't care. He wasn't tripping at all. It was a, it was a, great, it was a great year. No egos. It was a great time. Probably should have won the championship game. But we ended up losing. <laughs> so you
0: deliver the shot. And how does that lead to your road to Canada?
1: Okay. Before I tell you about Road to Canada, I want to say I hit that shot um, in the tournament. We win the next game to go to the championship game. Yeah. The championship game, I go 0 for 10. Oh. Charlie goes 0 for 13. He doesn't score. I luckily I got to the free throw line, so I, I, I had five points. Yeah. <laughs> I'm serious. I had a fast break. I missed a dunk. Oh my god. Had like three in and outs. I didn't even know I didn't score a, a field goal until after the game. Charlie's over there crying. Charlie's hurt. You know, I understand we lost the championship game, you know. People get emotional, but he's a little more. And I'm looking at him like, why? And we see the score, 0 for, thir- 0 for 13. No free throws. I still had a decent game. I had like five points, nine rebounds, four steals or something, some yeah. assists. You know, you know, I, can f- I contribute in a lot of ways. Not saying Charlie didn't, but... I guess he just didn't score. It wasn't his yeah. best game. Or,
0: or that was his focus anyway was the scoring, right? Yeah. yeah. And
1: that's what's crazy. Charlie didn't score, but there's another Charlie that we'll talk about, obviously, later. But,
0: oh, a little foreshadowing. I like that. Yeah,
1: a little foreshadowing. <laughs> Shout out my boy, Charlie. <laughs> um, going to Canada. So just as fast as I thought I might actually have a career after after Edmonds hitting the game winner, I go 0 for 10 in a championship game. <laughs> <laughs> humbled me real quick um <laughs> uh so I'm kind of back to reality I don't know I'm thinking maybe I might so this time I make a highlight tape and I send it out to a couple people and I got a couple local offers but not really nothing I'm taking that seriously um I walk out the gym one day and I'll never forget it I walk out the gym and my coach calls me and says have you ever thought about playing in Canada I was like, where? <laughs> yeah. I was like, huh? Where where's Canada? You know? Uh I was like, no, I've never thought it thought about it. But obviously, like, you know, what are you talking about? What's going on? And uh he says, just keep your eye on your phone for a five eight seven number. Hmm. And I'm like, Okay, I got you. So a couple hours later, I get a call from Coach Clay up at Red Deer. He calls me, says, Hey, I'm coach. Coach Clayton Pottinger, you know, Red Deer Kings, Red Deer College Kings. And um, we get to rapping. It's actually funny. One of the second or third times he calls me, I'm making my mixtape. And I'm trying to figure out what song to put. And he calls me while I'm doing it. I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah, I hey, answer. And yeah. I'm like, hey, I'm doing my mixtape. I'm trying to figure out what song. And he's like, oh, man, you got to put some Jay-Z on there. I'm like, coach. like, And so I press volume up on my laptop. And like I'm sorting through like four Jay-Z songs I want to put on my mixtape. So it was just, like, perfect. Like, we always we always clicked right off the, right off the bat. Um, <laughs> right at home, hey. Eh? I couldn't believe it. He's like, you got to put some Jay-Z on there. And I was yeah, like, okay. You know, this okay. guy's recruiting yeah. me. And I'm yeah. like,
2: what? Like, yeah. Listen <laughs> to this,
1: you know? Um. So he comes down, and uh, he uh, watches me play at Open Gym. ID camp, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's players in our whole league there. And I tell you, I'm, I'm one of the best players in our league, but I come off the bench, and everyone – Everyone still knows it. It's just, you know, the team we were on was stacked. I'm serious. So we come into this gym. Clearly he had called like 20 people in the area. He was coming down for this open gym, right? I was one of the people he called. I go into this gym and meet him. And he's a cool guy, just like he is on the phone. Yeah. And uh, I killed the ID camp. killed I'm telling you, one of the top five basketball days of my life. Hmm. Everything was going in fadeaways, I was crossing I was dunking, I dunked on these two dudes, top 10 dunk of my life, right in front of them you Did you know. have
0: your uh, warm up dunk at that time?
1: Uh, I definitely did You talking about <laughs> of throwing off the wall? Yeah, yeah, 100%
0: Were you throwing off the wall for Coach Clay?
1: Yeah, I've been there doing that since, since I had a wall to throw off of I don't know why I've always been able to do that So, I've always been able to get at throwing lobs Yeah. So, you know, if I see a wall, I can kind of and I try it if I can if I can get it off on a wall, I I, I try it. That's just pretty much it. (laughs) But everything was going down that day. It was amazing. I left that gym thinking if I don't get a scholarship to this Hmm. to this school, I'm not I'm done with basketball. I can't play no better than that. So if that's not good enough. You know, I'm happy knowing that what I just did, you know, and uh, sure, sure enough. He said, you're number one on my list. Um, He had another ID camp in like Vegas or something. Went down there. um, Called me again. You're still number one. I'm going to get back home. We're going to talk about it and I'll give you a call. Boom. About a week later, gave me a scholarship and I was starting to apply for my visa and I was headed up to Red Deer. It was crazy.
0: Easy or tough transition coming to Canada?
1: At the time, it was a little tough, but now looking back on it, it was real easy. Because I've lived in Germany, yeah. So I know what it's yeah, like to yeah. actually leave home and live somewhere where it's really tough. So now I'm looking back on it like it was easy, but at the time I thought it was really tough. Um, it was tough being—I'm from Kent, but I'm really from like Seattle, right? Like a metropolitan big city. Yeah. And yeah, I'm yeah. out here in Red Deer. You know, it's nice because I'm there in August. It's really nice, but I can—I I can already start to tell little subtle differences. You know, um, as the school year went by obviously it's kind of the same culture so the transition wasn't tough in, in terms of a social aspect but little things were different little things were different that you could that, that you would you could it would remind you you're in a different country like the money oh for like the first like year i, I couldn't get over it i was like I, i'm seeing different money americans are ignorant and they just think like they're the best in all this right but the money's like it's like plastic
0: that's right you can't know? yeah. you can't, yeah, you can't yeah. really rip it or yeah.
1: you, there's no singles You know, (laughs) you have dollar and two dollar coins. I'm like, I'm like, what the heck is going on? Right. And uh, little things like that. Right. But no, it it was definitely an easy transition. What
0: about even the fact that culturally basketball is not as big up here?
1: That was a little bit of a wake up call, too. Right. Because I'm from the States where basketball is number one. It's
0: basketball heavy down there, man. Yeah.
1: You know, you come up here, you think basketball is the greatest everywhere. I don't know. That's just maybe just me as a basketball player or. You only see national televised games, so you only see the teams that are sold out. But yeah, being in like a first time I get up to Red Deer, I see that it's like half a gym, you know. And this is a college. My college had half a gym, but it was like it was it was like two stories tall of of stands, you know. And we would fill it up, you know. So and Red Deer would fill it up too. But just being there and seeing like a there's only like. Ten rows, right? Yeah, you know. Oh, it was the old gym too, right? Yeah, it's yeah. old gym. You know, and and so I'm thinking like my high school had more seats than this. My middle school had more seats than this. My middle school had double sided bleachers, and I'm at a college right now, and I, there's not even double sided bleachers. So that was a bit of a. But luckily for Red Deer, we always filled up the gym. Right. So the atmosphere was always always great. So in terms of that, I'd have been mad if I went to like Olds or something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you make a basket and there's like one grandma. Clapping yeah. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> you know, so I uh, I didn't get the full fledge of how dead basketball actually was up here. Hmm. It's really picked up the last couple of years, actually. I've I've noticed I've Thanks seen you, that. man. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> um,
0: How was the integration into that team, though?
1: I always knew I was going I was a one of the best players. Yeah. I had known yeah. this for probably the last 2 or 3 years of my life that pretty much whatever gym I stepped in I felt like I was the best player. Oh, well, um, even more than that, back to your AAU tryout, wasn't it? Well, yeah, that just happened <laughs> to be a rare occasion, but yeah. I mean, I I've, I've always been one of the better players, but it was literally like the last like 2 years of my life I felt like I was I was one of the Best basketball players right. that that and it I sunk would, in for you. That, yeah, that was the yeah, there was no yeah. one I was scared of anymore. Right. I didn't care if you were Isaiah Thomas, if you were LeBron James. If if we checked up, I'm 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 sticking you like everyone else. You know, mm-hmm. um, and that's when I, that confidence really set in for me. So when I got up here, it was a little bit of I want to fit in, but a lot of I'm up here to kill. Like this is my chance. I've talked. I've had extensive conversations with Clay about. I think you can what you can do in this league, so I'm coming out to. I'm coming out for blood, basically, yeah, my first year.
0: So in your first year at Red Deer, what was your role like on the team? Obviously, Coach Clay thought highly of you, and did you step into that two-guard or even the three-spot right away there?
1: Yeah, I was was ready to come in, and I had been told, basically, and I had been in open gyms with, with the team, and I was the best player on the team, and I think everyone knew that I would be the scoring leader. Um, be the person that we really, if we needed a bucket, could go to me. And um, the crazier part, I didn't play any preseason for Red Deer. I didn't play any preseason. So my first game was against Sate. First game of the season against Sate. And uh, I think I had like 17 points in the first quarter. I had like a dunk. I had like three threes. And that really, we won by like 40. And that was like my coming out party I was like okay I can do this you know I've always been on good teams but I've never really had to be the man or you know I never really been the you were
0: coming off the bench and I was coming off the bench in Edmonds I started (laughs) at Whatcom but
1: I only averaged like 13 like we had other guys on our team it was it was a good year that's right your
0: stats were cut in half or whatever yeah 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 um
1: but yeah
0: this is a new role for you.
1: New role, and I don't know how I was going to take it to start with. I always knew like it was basically me like bringing out the open gym player, the player that was always one of the best, and now being able to apply it on the court because now I'm in that role. I've always been a a, a person that knows my role. Whether everyone's a role player, whether your role is to be the superstar of the team, whether to be the scoring leader, it's still a role. You're you right. know, you're right. So. Thriving in your role just as much if, if your role is playing defense all game. thriving in that just as much as if it was, we need you to score 30 all game. I want you to put as much effort into playing defense on this guy all game as so-and-so whose role is to score. I want you to put as much effort as he is to scoring 30 points. You know, yeah. It should be the same if yeah, it goes to rebound or whatever. Everyone thinks scoring is – man, there's so many more aspects to a game, which is why I've always been good because I do more than scoring. That was another thing. I wasn't just a scorer. I didn't have that – typical american coming up to the team thinking he's better than everybody you know i really let my play do the talking and i worked hard i worked harder than everyone else you know i i led i don't i didn't lead the league in steals actually i think i led my led the league in steals my first year at red deer but i didn't play the whole year
0: <laughs> oh yeah grades yeah. coming back in again hey
1: grades coming back in a lot of life things hit me um and everything slid except for basketball because yeah. basketball i used as my getaway but, yeah, I had a, a lot of things going on in my life at the time. Um, some family members died, some, some run-ins with the law, and, uh, you know, grades started to slide. And, man, I was averaging 30 points, shooting 60% from the field, 50% from the three-point line, 8-0, I was done. Back from Christmas, you're not on the team no more. Not even on the team. Wow kicked off the team yeah
0: was it shades of that year you were trying out and you didn't even make jv again
1: oh man it was worse because i was the star i was the man i was the the i felt like i let the city down there's not a doubt in my mind that i would have won national player of the year and we would have won them and we would have won a national championship my first year at red deer and i'll never go light on myself for that for that moment Hmm. But I'm telling you, you see what happened when I came back. So that was a very, very pivotal moment in my life, right? I end up going back home, getting a regular job. I'm working construction.
0: No more Target, man?
1: No more Target. No more (sighs) Target. (laughs) I'm working construction now. Okay. Taking night classes. Okay. I'm doing construction from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m going straight to night classes, 5 p.m. to 10 p.m., going home, waking up, doing it all over, five days a week. I did that from February all the way to August.
0: How much were you thinking about
1: that squandered opportunity? Every Every day? day. Every day. Every day. And you know why? Because I worked with grown men who a certain percentage of probably didn't see themselves working construction their whole life. And I'm talking to them. And I'm telling you, you're working on a job site with five hundred people. Everybody has a story to tell you. You're the young guy. What are you doing here? Oh, you're here because you failed at school. Oh, you were some big basketball player and, and you're you're here because you failed classes, you know? I'm hearing that all day, every day. And I'm taking it in. I'm not taking it personal. I'm taking it in. I'm using it as motivation. They don't know that I'm I'm building it all back up. They don't know I'm going to night classes every night. Hmm. They don't know every chance I even get to see a gym, I'm in there. Ready, waiting to go back. Right. Did it all, passed the classes. When I ended up leaving Red Deer, I told Clay, I said, uh, because I'm one of the best basketball players, I'm known now, right? One of the sure. best basketball players in the country. And I tell him that we're I'm not gonna talk to any other school. If you can tell me right now that I have a scholarship for me, if I go home, I take these classes, I come back up, you know what I'm saying, grown, yeah, more straight. mature, you know what I'm saying? And uh he said, Okay. I was just called waiting for you if you can do all this. So every every step of the way, I was boom, 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 boom. Every step of the way, I was making sure he was in the loop. And uh did it all. Exactly how I said I was gonna do. Came back with a totally different mindset. Because my first year was I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know how good I was in this league. I didn't play any preseason games. I didn't know that that I was gonna be one of the best. I didn't know that my team was one of the best. You know, I didn't know any of that. This year, I'm coming back. The league knows who I am. I know who the league is. Mm-hmm. I know the reps. I know the other coaches. I know the teams. You know, I don't think people understand how much of the mental side you have to know about basketball. I'm taking in all of that. I'm taking in who who's coming back? Who did I who did I see last year in those first eight games? Who's coming back? You know, who's new? Who's this guy? I'm telling you I was obsessed. I told everybody I was going to get player of the year. I told everybody. And I told myself I was going to tell everybody to hold myself accountable. Mm. I didn't want to talk about it one time and then shy away from it. No, I told everybody. I told everybody and I got player of the year. That second year.
0: Put the whole country on notice.
1: That's what it was. It was it was it was, it was so much. Happen. It was like a celebration because I had worked I had worked so hard to get up there. I had lost it all, and I had to work twice as hard to get it back.
0: Some valuable learning moments for you, though, hey? Oh,
1: I grew a lot. Grew a lot. Can we chat a little
0: bit about focus? Mm-hmm. And you probably learned a lot in that second year coming back to Red Deer, just around what it would take to maintain focus, not just on the court, but in school. like Keeping everything in order, yeah, uh, blocking out that outside noise. Um, I've heard a saying, and it goes something like this, success does not have empathy for the validity of your excuses. So basically it's like, you have a lot of stuff going on, but success says, I don't care. I don't care. Yeah. Right. What did you do in that second season to just stay single-minded and streamlined? Because you had that goal of going for player of the year. You got it, but obviously you had some work to do to make sure that you were, sing on a single track
1: like I like I told you about those kids that I saw coming straight out of high school yeah um and they were they had had a plan or you see these guys coming out of school and they're like, I want to be in the NBA or I want to my story hasn't been like that my story has been a, a story of working hard and discovering what you can accomplish by how much work you put in like I said when I realized I was really good at basketball and I, and I ended up going back home and working with those construction those construction jobs, um, and I was still going to school and I told myself, if I can do this, if I can go to work, commute to work and do all this and then still be able to pass and get good grades in school, why can't I do it going to two, three hours of class Mm -hmm. and maybe in any other spare time, which I'm already doing, getting in the gym and still pass, you know, I grew a lot in those, you know, six months that I was back home. Working and I came back with a new, a new focus, a new attention to detail, time management. You know what I'm saying? All of that really became something that, like I said, I'm growing up as well. Now I think I'm 25 now. You know, so now I'm growing up. 26, I think. 25, turning 26, the year I won a Player of the Year. Okay. Um, but I think the biggest focus was, like I said. I didn't even know if I was going to be able to play after Edmonds. Yeah. Now I see that I can, I'm can. i one of the best basketball players in Canada. Now I see that the door opening, I might be able to actually play professional. So not only do I want to win player of the year, now it's a, it's all about building my profile to appeal to a professional team. And that goes along with everything else. The grades, the time management holding yourself accountable on and off the court, you know, all that, all that played in and it, it it worked out perfectly. I, I I really focused and it worked out perfectly. So
0: you have a monster year, you win ACAC player of the year, but you still have one year left of eligibility left, right? Mm -hmm. So at that point, were you thinking, let's go for that pro contract or did you want to fulfill your last year of eligibility for school?
1: I The whole year, people had already... So coming back, obviously, people knew how good I was. And obviously, I'm having this amazing year. So people would ask me, um, have you thought about playing professional? Or are you coming back for your fifth year? And I I didn't take any steps towards either one. And I look back now, and I regret it. Because I I just kept pushing it towards the end. I wanted to win a national championship. So I kept pushing it towards the end. I'm not thinking about what am I going to think about next year for... I don't want to rob my teammates, rob my team and tell them I wasn't there 100% mentally for them. I wasn't there 100% mentally for myself because I'm thinking about next year. Right. So I was completely locked in that year. Didn't even care about my fifth year of collegiate basketball or my first year of pro ball. Hmm. Got to the end of the year. Then I'm having my exit meeting with my coach. And first thing he says, I walk in and first thing he says when I sit down is I think I think you should go pro. I think you, the iron is hot right now. You're coming off a great year, um, good percentages. Yeah.
0: Your stock is high.
1: Stock is high. Yeah. And um, so I banked on that. I was, me and Coach Clay were always on the same page. Obviously, at this point, school is something that I've taken care of and I've taken seriously for a better part of two years now. So it, it's not like I'm using it as an excuse to leave school. But at the same time, obviously, I'm not trying to be in school if I, have a, if I can go play basketball, right? So I go back and forth, back and forth. Should I come back? Should I go? Should I come back? Should I go? Then I talk to Coach Clay, and uh, turns out he doesn't want me to come back. They're going in a different direction with the program. Hmm. And uh, Were you shocked to hear that? I was because I always, and maybe I was naive of myself, but I always thought I'd have that as a fallback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, what I'm not thinking about is the fact that he just can't wait for a player to wait until September to be like, oh, you know what, I'm coming back. You know, he has to cover himself. Mm-hmm. And um, so we kind of had a little falling out about that because I really thought he had my back after I had his the, the year before saying, you know, I'm coming back to you regardless. You know, I could go to one of these powerhouses, but I'm know I'm gonna come back to Red Deer. So I thought I would have that same luxury, right? Ended up not having that luxury. So I told him, I said, if I don't get a pro contract, I have to cover myself. I have to make sure I'm playing basketball next year. So if you're not going to let me come back to Red Deer, I'm going to have to figure out where else to go. Mm -hmm. Um, I had one player of the year, and I got nominated for national player of the year. So I went out to nationals that year, and that's when I met Marty. That's when I met all the guys at Sate, Pat, um, became close friends with all the guys, John, Nick. You know, and
0: You played against John, right? When you're a red deer?
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> John knows all about that. I gave him a lot of buckets that year.
0: Oh boy. <laughs> so then what were you thinking at that point? You had met Sate uh you had met some guys from Sate already. Mm-hmm. Um got
1: off the phone with him and called Sate. I said, I'm gonna have to cover myself. I'll let you know, you know, what's going on and everything. Got off the phone with him, called Marty. Already had Marty's number from Nationals. Nothing, no recruitment or nothing like that. It was just um, I was, I was with, Sate's team a lot, so I already had his number, so I called him, and uh, we rapped, and his he's obligated to call Coach Clay as soon as he gets off from me. That's just ACAC rules. So he yeah, did, yeah, he did that, and uh, yeah, it was a little tough transition because I think uh, Clay wanted me to. He said he would let me. He said he would want me to go like maybe to the Pac West or maybe out east but he didn't want me to play in the ACAC mm-hmm. right I guess I understand that but at the same time I'm thinking to myself oh they don't want me oh, I'm about to score 50 on them you know so
0: a little chip on your shoulder
1: definitely definitely a little chip on my shoulder
0: so you had the conversation with Coach Marty here at SAIT, um, and then were you already thinking like yeah that's like I got myself covered at Sate," and then and then what happened from there
1: Yeah, so like I said, a lot of my friends were playing on SAIT. At this point, I had been to Calgary, so I knew what Calgary looked like. So I liked the coach. I liked the location. The team obviously had been coming off of an ACAC gold, the first one. So, of course, I'm going to call the team that just won and the team that I just happened to build a great relationship with. So I called Sate and uh, never had to make another call after that.
0: So how does that lead to germany though
1: oh okay yeah this is awesome this is a good that's a good question so obviously it gets back to clay that i'm gonna go to Sate. did not want me to go to Sate. so he's at this point it's got back to the athletic director at red deer and um i'm kind of past this whole situation So i don't want to bring it up too much but basically some things were said about me that i didn't agree with at all that was past from Red Deer's athletic director to state's athletic director. And they decide that it's not a good idea to cause this much drama for a player to transfer schools. If I wasn't the player that I was and I didn't have another outlet, I would have fought it. I would have done what took whatever necessary appeal process or whatever to, I didn't care about the drama. I want to go to the school. I'm allowed to, it's legal. So I'm going. But luckily for them, I had been now I had been going back and forth between pro and not. So I had a pro opportunity and I'll never forget this. I had a pro exposure. Exposure camp on a Friday and the Thursday was when I found out that I wasn't going to be able to go to state. Called the guy, booked the trip, was on a plane the next day to Atlanta for for a, a pro exposure camp and um how about that timing though hey it was crazy timing because that was the first one and so this whole state thing had been and i'd kind of been like i knew that that was kind of like the deadline but i didn't know if i was going to be for sure i was going to go to it either way because i didn't know if i was going to be able to go to state or not but the fact that it was i could clear my slate boom it's not happening i'm not going to state. wade told me bob told me whoever I'm not going to say. So now all my bat all my eggs are in one basket, the overseas basket. Every breath I take is towards getting a job overseas. It's like mid July, almost August now. So I'm I'm moving, I'm calling people, sending emails, asking people, who does he think about this guy? Mm-hmm. How does he think how do you think about this guy? Is this guy can can I trust this guy? Can I do this? That's when I learn about Howard Hoops. So my friend Chris. Played in Germany the year I got player of the year. And he got out there by um, this guy named Ronald Howard. Okay. Ron, Ron, we call him. Ron Howard. Him Ron Howard, yep. And uh, he runs Howard Hoops. And I got on a Germany tour. We played six games against four different teams in two days. So I was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And uh, I played excellent the first I, was the, I played excellent in our first game we played.
0: Was that in your top five basketball days ever? Kind of like that ID camp? No, but I have one of those
1: coming up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so at this point, I'm looking at all these guys on this tour. We're, we're all meeting up, right? We're all flying to Frankfurt, the airport. We're all meeting up at the airport. We're going to go to the hotel. So we're all meeting up. I'm meeting these guys. 6'8 dude, Jamal, another little short guard, Corey, another little other guy. There's like a eight of us. We're on this team who's gonna play these these four German teams over this weekend. Okay. If they like us, they might want to sign us, or they might know a person who knows a person. This is all about trying to get a job in Germany. So we play the first team, first game. That's against Itstein. Obviously, uh, that's where I played. So I play. We're playing against Itstein. I score. I don't know, maybe twenty points in the first quarter. Everything's kind of everything's coming easy. Everything's coming smooth. We get a couple of steals. I happen to be the guy that gets the layup. up. Um, we get a couple open shots. I happen to be the guy that was open. So I so I, I happen to make them. I think I shot maybe seven for eight or something in the quarter. Like I, it was great. You know, um, after the first quarter, kind of the first half, I started to really I always focused on defense. I was always I had a lot of steals always. Always play defense. Yeah. Wherever you are, what level, anywhere, you don't know who's watching, nothing, play
0: defense. If you don't take anything from this podcast,
1: just play defense. Please play defense. <laughs> uh, so uh, I, I have a great game. The second half, I focus more on my passing ability, my ability to make plays for others, show that I am not just a ball hog. Um, I play great. We get done with that game. the The, the owner of the team talks to me. Uh, talks to everyone on the team, talks to like two or three of us, the guys that they liked. So then uh, we go and we play the next – the next day we play more games and the day after that we play one more. Um, at the end of the night, Ron, who's talking to these teams, they're like, yo, they want you and so-and-so to go to practice with them on Tuesday. So I'm like, okay, bad. Kind of have like a little tryout with the team. Sure. This is awesome. yeah, yeah. This is awesome. But it's another guy that I'm with as well. They have one spot. Mm-hmm. Oh. So – we're friends. We're trying to put each other on, but now it's now it's time to go. We're going to war now. I'm not letting you get this job. This is my life. I'm out here, you know?
0: He's thinking the same thing, He's too, He's thinking
1: the same thing, 100%. 100%. We come out. We get there. I'm just practicing shooting. I meet a couple guys on the team. The guys that we had just played on the Friday before, it's Tuesday now. So all these guys are still fresh. And um, it wasn't even a practice. We just scrimmaged. They literally put 10 minutes on the board, on the clock. Didn't keep score and just played for 10 minutes. So they had two teams and they were they were putting me and the other guy on um, switching us around, switching teams around. You know, every five minutes or so. I think I scored about 50 points. Did
0: you have to guard up at all?
1: Yes, I, I I guarded him. He guarded me. I was I was. I'm telling you, I played defense. I was everywhere. I was guarding everybody. This is my chance, right? I'm energizer bunny. I'm wall to wall. You know what I'm saying? Baseline to baseline. And I wasn't gonna let anyone outplay me. I wasn't gonna let anyone outplay me in the games when we had eight people on our team. Now it's just me and I have the sole chance to to show out, just like my time with the ID camp with Coach Clay. Mm-hmm. All these guys, it's 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 me or all these guys. I get in there now, it's me or this guy. Killed him. Killed him. I can't I, I think I scored over fifty. I was hitting everything. <laughs> And like I told you, it was one of those days. That's the day I'm talking about. It Top didn't come Friday. on Friday. It came on that Tuesday. Oh. I walked out that gym. I swear, I cannot make this. I walked out that gym telling myself, if I do not get this contract, before it was scholarship. Now it's contract. If I don't get this contract, I, I don't need to play basketball. Because there's no way that he can say no to that. What I just showed him in there. Yeah, you left everything out there, right? Everything, and and, and he's met me, right? I've yeah. shaken his hand. I've talked to him. You know, he knows a little bit about me. Yeah. You know, so it was it was great. They offered me a job, and I had my own place. My signing bonus. He basically bought me a flat screen TV and a PlayStation Four, which I still have to this day. <laughs> I don't have the I don't have the flat screen anymore. It's still in Germany. I told him you can have it. I can't bring it back. But the PlayStation's mine. Like it was great. It was a, it was a great year. All I did was play basketball and go and train little kids. You got a it.
0: taste of that pro life though, hey?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Can't wait to go back. It was it was amazing.
0: What are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed with how they play the game over
1: there versus
0: North America?
1: It's definitely not as athletic. So, a lot mm-hmm. of people here, they don't have the basketball IQ or they don't have the fundamentals, but they can make up for it with their athleticism, right? Over there, they teach fundamentals, and they teach basketball IQ, and they don't have as much athleticism, although it's changing now. Humans all over the world are are amazing athletes. Um, whereas back in the day, maybe North America had a little bit of an advantage over other countries, but now they can put that IQ and that fundamental and then you see guys that are really taking advantage of it, like uh, Luca.
0: Look Doncic, yeah, yeah,
1: right. Came over here. He plays now. They're not behind athletically anymore. They're they're right there. They can stick with with anybody, you know. So I think European basketball is really about to take off.
0: But they've kept that fundamental teaching. Yeah,
1: they teach it right. They, mm-hmm. Everything from education system to to mannerisms, the the way you grow up, your parents, the way they the way they teach you, your your lifestyle, and and it just seems it's a different way, but it's. And and again, this, I'm an American. Don't let anyone forget that I'm American. Um, we think we're just this greatest, highest nation. And until you leave America, and really, even up here in Canada, you just see different ways of how people think and how people different perspectives, right? And you can see that America ain't all it's ain't all they think it is. You know, yeah. there's definitely some good parts, but man, there's, there's so much more to the world. There's right? so much more. There's so much more. And with the way they they teach basketball, I wish that they taught basketball like that in the states because if they taught basketball like that basketball iq and fundamentals before dunking and jelly and and between the legs step back crossovers you know what i'm saying i i'm working at making hoops and they uh there's little kids in there that are practicing step backs that can't make a layup right so us as trainers we're teaching them the fundamentals we're going to teach you this right left you know what i'm saying or this uh this jump stop pivot You know, hop step. We don't teach you all these, all these fundamental things. After you've mastered these, then work on that step back because they don't realize that's what James Harden did. Hmm. James Harden learned the fundamentals first and then he created that. He went to that step back
0: or the Euro step or whatever. Whatever now. Yeah.
1: The Euro step is a great example. Euro step. It's the European step because they teach that there. They teach the right left, the two, the two steps that you take before your layup. Now, Somewhere down the line, somebody decided, I'm not just going to go straight with these two steps. I'm going to go side to side. I'm going to go around a defender with them or whatever. But there's a reason that's called the Euro step, because that's a fundamental move with a flair. But they don't teach fundamentals here that, right. like they should. They shouldn't. There's no kids practicing step backs in Germany is what I'll, is what I'll say. Hmm. <laughs> they're not about that flashy, crazy game. Maybe a little bit now because Luca Because Luca's doing the same thing. I was going to say, Luca's all about that step back three. What are maybe, you talking about? Maybe, but yeah. At,
0: at the fundamental level, they're teaching the core steps of playing basketball. And you
1: learn that first. And that's why those guys can compete with these athletic freaks. Because I don't care if you can jump from the free throw line. If you can't keep a pivot or you don't have an over-the-hook, over-the-shoulder hook shot, I don't care if you're seven feet tall. If I can't pass you the ball down, if you can't slide your feet properly on defense, you know, Right. there's plenty of big men that or there's plenty of players that get to the league that are amazing basketball players that get to the league or any professional or college, any organized basketball, and they can't play. How many guys do you know that rat ball, they're the greatest, but you put a referee in, in a screen and a maybe a little offensive set and they can't remember the offensive set to save their life. They can't they can't remember that we're in zone or they don't know like you know to switch on the screen to communicate. Those are little things that game situation stuff. Game situation. You put you put somebody that plays that repsol seven days a week that's never played organized basketball. He might be the greatest street ball player ever, but he can't score ten points on a basketball court because he doesn't know how to fundamentally get a basket. I remember my dad used to tell me, I don't care how you make the layup, just make the layup. He didn't care if I was on the left hand with the right side with the with the left foot, you know, he didn't care. As long as it went in the hoop and we got two points, that's all he cared about. Right. Now, is that a wrong way of teaching? Some people would say yes, yeah, some people would say no. At the end of the day, he wanted me to see the ball go in rather than me getting mad at myself because I can't do right, left, right hand, you know. You know, top of the backboard, corner of the square, whatever yeah. you whatever you're teaching. But maybe a kid somewhere else is getting taught. I don't care if you miss it a hundred times, you're gonna do right, left, put the ball in the corner of that backboard and, and make it. Right? Those mm-hmm. are two different ways of teaching. Yep. It, it's it's on you to decide which one is better or worse. But one way you're teaching the fundamentals, one way you're not, but either way they're both getting the bucket. So with your
0: year in Germany uh with Itchstein, mm-hmm. uh were were you able to be as successful, or did your game translate successfully to the European style then because you brought that athleticism, and you know not your fault because that's how you were brought up, and that's that's how you were taught like you had just talked about yeah um did were you able to just blend in right away and 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 even um yeah stand out
1: well, like I said uh I haven't really pointed to it specifically but a lot of the game scenarios that I've brought up to you is is just me taking advantage of my opportunities. You know, like I told you um, with that tryout, yeah, the ball would get swung around. I would happen to be the one open, but you have to make it, Yeah. right? So again, you might be able to score 20 points a game and get those 20 points on your own or whatever, or maybe get those 20 points through a system, but it's those extra 10 points that that come off of, basketball iq that come off of fundamentals that come off of watching film or knowing your opponent that just get you those quick little two points a steal here that's two points an offensive rebound here that's two more points you know maybe a a drive and a pump fake because you know the guy likes to jump so now boom that's a foul on him and i'm gonna go to the free line two more points now that 20 points turns into 26 28 30 yeah you know it adds up yeah. james harden only scores about 22 points a game and then he's he shoots 10 15 free throws you know yeah so then at the end of the game he's had 37 points but he didn't score 37 points on the floor right you know 15 of those points are are free throw
0: yeah and from slowly chipping away
1: and some of those points are maybe someone didn't box out maybe he he got a steal maybe he James Harden maybe he took a step back fell down and then someone else gets a steal throws it up to him and he gets an easy layup you know all those points add up so how did that season turnout for you and Itchstein
0: as a team. How did Um, you guys do?
1: We did we did really well. We got hit with a lot of so when I first got over there I had to wait for my work visa. So we didn't I didn't get to play the first four games, which um which kinda really hurt that I wasn't able to play the first four games. I'm in Germany. I've been here for two months now. The season has started and we're still waiting for my work visa to come. You know? Yeah. It's my first year in Germany. I'm thinking and I'm hearing things about this. I'm hearing things from other people that have played in in leagues in Europe and stuff. Oh, they're playing with you. They your your work visa is not coming or I had to wait a whole season for mine or this this this. You know, I just stayed positive and I waited and I waited and I finally got it. Whole time practicing with the team. Best team I've played on talent-wise. We had two two seven footers and another 6'10 guy who was very talented, very skilled. We had shooters and these are professionals, right? That role that I was telling you about. Everyone's a role player.
0: Everyone has a role, though, still. Everyone
1: has a role, right? So you might be 6'10 and and can shoot the ball and can dribble a lot, but your coach don't want you dribbling a lot. So you're just right. going to set these pick-and-pop screens so we can hit you to shoot or you're gonna, we're going to post you up so you can two-dribble, hook shot or something, even though you can dribble. Because other places, he's going to try and dribble. Coaches might let him dribble. You know what I'm saying? This isn't one of those places. And that's something you have to choose as a player if you're going to go. Maybe someone might – you might be more successful doing little or you might be more successful being able to do a lot. Mm-hmm. How would J.J. Redick have a job in the NBA if he wanted to score 30 points a game? If he wanted to play point guard and and cross people up? J.J. Redick might be one of the nicest guards in the league. We don't know because he's so good at his role. We think he's just a shooter, right? <laughs> but, hey, he's been in the league for 10, 15 years getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah, he's figured it out, really. Yeah. Yeah. Jamal Crawford. uh yeah. Lou Williams. They come off the bench. It's it's all about your role. But my my team in Germany, we had a great year. We ended up finishing, I think, third in our in our league. And I don't know if you know, but it's just like soccer. The top person in the league goes to the next one. And the bottom person from the league. Right. Goes There's like down. relegation and all that stuff. Yeah. Right? So yeah. I was in the fifth league. If we would have okay. won, we would have went to the fourth league. If we would have came in last, we would have went to the sixth league. league. Yeah. Yeah. So we were the third. And um, so we stayed. And uh, I averaged about 27, scored my first 50-point game. That was awesome. I had a great year in Germany because at this point, I told you, I had that confidence, and now I just wanted to take it off to the next level. So I was in the gym every day. That summer, getting ready to go to Germany, I was every morning 5 a.m. in the gym, go to work, re re um, remodeling the house that we were living at, at the time, mm-hmm. and um, would go at the end of the day. 7 to 9 two a days
0: when you moved to canada you were talking about how culturally there wasn't that big of a a, sh- a shock for you but how about moving to germany now you're in europe
1: yeah it was it was it was funny cuz you you arrive in frankfurt and you stay in frankfurt right and it's a big city and there's people they're minding their own business they don't really you might think that they notice you but maybe they notice you maybe they don't they're going about their own business they're doing their thing right but at, literally Every kilometer that we would get further away from Frankfurt, a very big population metropolis city to like these small towns, villages, you know, in the middle of nowhere. And I was the only African-American in my whole city. Hmm. I would walk down the streets with some beat headphones on, some ripped jeans, you know, what I'm saying some chucks or something or some Tim's on or something looking straight American and people would literally drive by me and like they would just drive and like no one ever got in a car accident, but like they would completely (laughs) like 180, just turn their head and like, forget about the road and be staring at me on the sidewalk or something, you know, or I might jaywalk, you know, I might jaywalk and people look at me crazy. People look at me crazy here when I jaywalk, I jaywalk here in the crosswalk and people look at me crazy. I'll, I'll see the lights turn yellow to red. And I'll know the little walk side, walk guy's about to yeah. come up, so I'll take off walking yeah. like I don't know five seconds before. So I'm halfway into the intersection by the time the white the, and people are looking at me like I'm crazy, and I'm like, yo, like I don't know, it's just the American in me, right? I guess yeah. we jaywalk. Yeah, I didn't yeah. know I didn't know that was a thing yeah. till I left. I think right? that's a culture thing too. Absolutely, <laughs> it is because people looked at me like like I was an alien or something jaywalking, but uh, it was dead, like little things like that. Sundays, Sundays in Germany, it might be all of Europe, I don't know, but Sundays in Germany. Are uh, you don't do anything. You don't even mow your grass. You don't go to work. You just chill at home. It's a family day. It's a day of rest, day of peace. You don't play loud music. Hmm. Yeah, it's 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 a nice chill, relaxing day. Sunday, good way to recharge. Stores are closed. You'd be lucky if the gas station's open. Wow, like it's like the whole it's like a ghost town on Sundays. Hmm. That was a big that was a big thing because you you'd wake up on Sunday and want to go to the grocery store. Close. I can't tell you how many times I woke up and went to the grocery store and had to walk back walk back <laughs> Lucky, luckily, it was close, but yeah, walking down there like, man, there's no one on the road today, like oh, it's Sunday, Turn around, walk back home, not getting no not getting no groceries today, wow, uh, which was kind of ties into another thing that was culturally different. This is something that i the Canadians won't understand either is we have these big refrigerators in freezers. Sure. Right? We go when we spend 200 $300 at the grocery store, stock up for a month or however long, however fast you go through food, right? It's not like that in Germany. In Germany, you have these little tiny freezers and refrigerators because you buy what you're going to use in the next day or so. You don't keep a huh. bunch of things in your freezer. You don't keep a bunch of things in your refrigerator because you know you're going to go to the grocery store and just you're gonna buy you don't buy frozen frozen meat and you don't put like a bunch of frozen meat in your freezer
0: right the canadian thing to do is have a deep freeze and have an entire cow in there
1: yeah 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 (laughs) not in germany no you have like you might freeze some some meat yeah it's not even a for sure thing like you're going you're gonna buy that meat for that Mm -hmm. night you're gonna go cook that night everything's fresh everything the the food was amazing germany has great food laws and they keep the food fresh and even McDonald's or Burger King, so much better. Tastes different, hey. Oh man, yeah. Really? Yep. Little things like that, for sure. I'd be like, man, let's go to Burger King. I'd be so happy to go to Burger King because it was like the greatest Burger King I ever had in my life, you know. <laughs> and they'd be like, Burger King, like, like no. The language was really hard. The yeah. language was so hard. It was like the first two weeks, people were like, don't even try and learn our language. They hate their language just as much as everyone else does. It's serious. I'm serious. <laughs> And so, like, I didn't even learn. I ended up spending more time teaching them English than them teaching me German. People ask me all the time, do you know German? I'm like, I know it. I can kind of understand sentence structure. Um, I might be able to figure out what you're talking about. Maybe if you go slow. but, But no, not as much as if I was in, like, Spain or France where they want to teach me the language, where I want to learn the language. But it wasn't even like I wanted to learn the language because from the jump, getting off the plane, people were like, our language is trash. Don't even worry about it. And so my whole perspective on the language changed.
0: <laughs> oh, way to pitch it to you, hey? Yeah, yeah.
1: It was all good, though. I, uh, I, I loved it. A lot of the people did speak I, I lucky, Luckily, I speak English. I couldn't even imagine if I spoke a language that not everybody knew. Mm-hmm. That's another thing. I think that's why Americans might think that they're like uh, better than other people, because their language is the language that's spoke all over the world. Yeah, it's universal. World, you yeah. Know? But I don't know what I would have done. If I was in Germany and didn't have a bridge of language, that would have been... I would have lost my mind. (laughs) So after that year playing in Itchstein,
0: you got a taste of that pro-life. Yep. What were you thinking at that point? Were you wanting to find another contract, or what happened for you there? Uh,
1: Well, I had a great year in Germany. I have a great reputation in Germany, Um, so... The whole time, though, I'm, I'm talking on the phone with Marty. The whole time in Germany. Really? Even um, not
0: that whole year, even?
1: Yeah, because I, I felt like they took away my chance at, at a fifth year, right? So I'm still talking to Marty. It wasn't like, well, I'm not coming. All right. And the whole time was like, Marty was on board. If if you get some crazy contract, don't even think about coming back. Why would you even think about coming back? And I'm like, I agree 100%. Um, but as it was, I was in the fifth league. If you're not in the top three league, you don't lose your last year of eligibility or you don't lose any college eligibility, so um, I was with him on that, I communicated with him on that, I communicated with clay even on that about I'm not losing my fifth year, you know it's always gonna be a I might come back you know if things don't work out. things worked out perfectly um for both sides, sate won another gold medal <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh and I played professional, right so The whole year, I'm in Marty's ear, and even after the year was over, I got offered by my team to come back. Um, I thought I could have earned more money than what they were offering for my second year. Uh, And um, I could have probably shopped myself around the league. Obviously, I had a great – I averaged 27, 28 points a game. And obviously, you know me. I'm shaking hands. um, I'm smiles on the court, you know, um, from what I can tell – I wasn't a complete, like, typical American walking with my head high thinking I'm better than everybody else, you know? Mm-hmm. And that was tough, too. Oh, man. Being being the American on the basketball court, you weren't getting no calls. You were getting every call against you. I had two games. I had four fouls in the first quarter. Two games. Because my, my coach had... Faith in me to not get any more fouls because I told you I played defense. So some refs would let me get a little way yeah. with a little more hand touchy, a little more gambling and not a little bit more so, physical. Eh? <laughs> some games it would be crazy. I'd get a I'd get a foul the first first possession of the game. They tip the ball and I would go up to play defense, boom, put my hand on his hip, foul. I'm like, Oh, okay, it's gonna be one of those games. I'm not gonna be able to do that. So you know, you gotta but man, it's they do not like Americans trying to come in and show up anybody. Mm-hmm. 100%. And so I got over that. I had a couple games that I was that it really got to me. Um a couple games definitely really got to me. Yeah. Thought about not playing in Germany. I'm never going to play in a country that doesn't, you know, respect every player for who he is. That doesn't, you know, refs that have a predetermined agenda or anything like that. But all that is very well known. It's one of the reasons a lot of people don't go play because they mm. can't they can't control themselves. They get technicals every game. They right. get thrown out. They get foul out every game. They would get in arguments with their teammates. They would get in arguments with their coach. You know all that. You have to put on. You think you have to be political here. You got to be political there, like mm-hmm. crazy. You're an ambassador of yourself. You're an ambassador. You're an ambassador for a, a, a country that everyone does not like already. Mm-hmm. So they're already looking at you. I would be talking to people. I'd have a conversation with people. They think I was Canadian because I came from Canada. can't right, I, yeah, I came yeah. from Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. And they would find out I'm American, and their whole demeanor would change.
2: That's the craziest that's thing. Wild.
1: It was the craziest thing. It happened multiple times. Have a great conversation with somebody. Boom. Where are you from? Seattle. Oh, and their jaw would drop. Oh, you know you're just like yours just did. Like it, 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 I was uh, I was amazed. Oh, you American? Yeah. yeah. It was different. It was different. No, I swear to you, I'm from Red Deer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I started not correct. I didn't really correct. I didn't go out, out of my way to correct people. But if they asked me where I'm from, I'd say Seattle. But if they just assumed I was Canadian, I wasn't gonna be like, you know. But yeah, the whole year I was talking to talking to Marty, keeping it keeping it a uh, hundred with him about my situation. And uh, after the year was over, I decided I was gonna come back to state. And some people say it was a wrong decision. Some people say it was a good decision at the time. Way more people said it was a bad decision. Obviously now, having a successful year at State, you know, not not getting a national gold medal, but still having a successful year. Yeah. Um, a lot less people are looking at me like I was crazy for leaving.
0: And you already knew at that point, talking to Marty, that the higher ups at State allowed you to play. For the Trojans, then, or what
1: yes, I had already like I said I had been in I had been with Marty the whole step the whole way, yeah, I had been talking to Wade about about everything I played both sides perfectly because I was able to still play a year professionally while not breaking any rules eligibility wise mm-hmm. yeah, and I was able to let whatever drama die down that's basically what it was mm-hmm. heal with time, I guess, okay, um because. After a year, I didn't hit one hiccup. I got a call from Clay. He was kind of like, really? Like, you're really thinking about leaving professional, leaving Germany to come back? You know, to come back? And I'm like, you know what? I have one more year. And a lot of things went into me going to say. A lot of things. John and Charlie and Nick. Nick is probably my best friend in Canada um, in the basketball circuit. He has welcomed me in. His family has welcomed me in from the day that I met them.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, no, amazing, and and so, it makes
0: your transition a lot easier too, right?
1: I was already building these relationships with people in state because I thought I was coming. That's right. The, year, the before. year before, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was just a matter of you know I kept in touch with a lot of people. Obviously, John and Charlie playing on state made it even better. They're both from Washington, and uh, them winning gold again, like it was, it was almost a perfect storm for everything. Happen happened like the way it did everyone got what they wanted so i was able to come back to say i did so knowing that it was a green light from all aspects i i signed it actually i signed my letter of intent in december hmm. so they could push it through and make sure it was all green and all clear before anything i know obviously Sate wanted me to commit to Sate as soon as possible that's probably what their motivation Absolutely, was yeah. but i was more so using it as i want to get this out the way now so mm-hmm. i don't sign this in you know, July, and then find out, oh, I can't play.
0: A big theme throughout this podcast uh, is your emphasis on player-coach relationship. Yeah. Describe what that was like with Marty um, and, you know, how did he fit a lot of the things you were looking for in a a player-coach relationship?
1: I just think how organic our, how we met each other really played a big part in that mm. because I met him in nationals. Right. My year was over. And remember, I'm 26 years old. So my year is done. So I'm basically a grown man. So they treated me like a grown man. I had free reign to do whatever I wanted. So I would be hanging out with those guys in their hotel room with the coaches. I'd be hanging out with the coach. Cause I came out with the, I went out to PEI with my coach. I wasn't with any players. So I was able to hang out with the coaches a lot more and really build a relationship with them. I built a good relationship with Marty and I built a good relationship with um with Lethbridge's head coach. And me coming to SAIT was because of not only did I know everybody at SAIT, I knew about the city, I knew about how good they were, but I met their coach in a not a recruiting atmosphere Mm. you know what i'm saying yeah yeah. he wasn't trying to appeal to me and i wasn't trying to appeal to him i was at red deer he was the coach for sate at this point i was still coming back to red deer Mm -hmm. you know they're Mm -hmm. still my rivals yeah but i i met him and and it was just a great from the jump we we really understood each other we're about the same age honestly (laughs) (laughs) i think he's two two years older than me he's like the brad stevens (laughs) yeah yeah real talk and uh We just started talking about basketball. Like I said, I stayed in touch with him pretty much during the course of my season in Germany. And we always talked about everything from from the little things to all the way to talking about winning a national championship, you know? Hmm. So that was a huge reason of me coming to Sake.
0: Plus, you already knew a lot of the players on that team. Yeah. And were you worried at all about how
1: you would fit in, though? I wasn't. I wasn't because... I wasn't because I've always been a player that's played my role. That's right, yeah. So I had talked to Marty, had conversation with him. I was already going to start. There's no way that a player of the year was going to come back and come off the bench in his fifth year, right? So I know that Nick's a fifth year, so Nick's probably going to start. Then you have John you have Charlie. Charlie coming off, leading them to – him and Murphy leading them to a ACAC gold, and John, who led them to a goal before, got first team all-conference, So we have four guards. In a typical basketball lineup, you only start three. Yeah, so it's crowded. You're right. So we have a friendly kind of competition going on. But the bigger goal was to let the coach know that he should start all four of us. Mm -hmm. Where we have to show him, we have to get on the court with us four on the court as much as possible to show him that this is the lineup that's going to do it. It doesn't matter how who 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 the other person is. These four are going to be gold for you. So I think we did that really early and all in the preseason he didn't let us. We started three guards and two bigs all preseason. Hmm. But the first game of the season, started four guards and kept that lineup pretty much the whole season. I think I think all all four of us missed at least one game or didn't start at least one game. But yeah, that was the lineup. Those four guards, me, John, Nick, and Charlie. And the fit was perfect. I was so happy. Coming from Red Deer, where I had to do everything, where I had to handle the ball. And I don't know if I could give it to so-and-so. I don't know if I could trust this person. To being on the team, there's four of us where I can give him the ball and just walk up the court and mind my own business, go get ready to do what I got to do. It was by far the most easygoing year I've had. Hmm. By far. And it was an enjoyment from... The beginning to the end i had so much fun this year remember i told you the player of the year yeah you did. i did not i didn't make any friends this year it was complete opposite i was smiling even more than i ever have i was i was meeting people i was having fun smiling in the game celebrating doing all types of crazy <laughs> stuff man it, it was a great year it was a great year and in
0: some quirky way that probably helped your player development though hey
1: Yes, a hundred percent. You have yeah. to be able to adapt as a player, mm. re- regardless of what team you're on. Like, uh, I use Kevin Durant going to the Warriors all the time. People make fun of me, call me Kevin Durant because I came to the State Trojans. So it did
0: it, cross my mind, but yeah, trust I, I'm me. Not-
1: yeah. <laughs> oh man, trust me. It was. <laughs> it's been it was said a too lot. many times. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it definitely helped me grow in terms of understanding the game from. Both the competitive side, but also from enjoying this is the completion of my collegiate career. Mm-hmm. Nothing's guaranteed after this, mm-hmm. and so that opened a whole new perspective on enjoying the little things in a game, enjoying the kids that come to the games oh man i i I've always been one to interact with the crowd um but i I put a big emphasis on trying to motivate kids. This year, I did a lot of outreach programs, a lot of outreach events for Sate. Just talking to the kids, sharing my story, letting them know that, you know, you're not always gonna let it give and it hand it to you. Hard work pays off. I'm very big preaching on hard work pays off, because I've been in situations where I didn't work hard, Hmm. and nothing paid off. Hmm. I've been in situations where I worked so hard, and everything paid off, and I don't think that's a coincidence. So. I've done that enough times knowing that the work you put in is what really comes out. So I was I used this year as a as a year of reflecting on my 5 years, 6 years, 7 years of basketball in a collegiate level after already starting really late. And a lot of people can't say that they did what I did, you know. It was a crazy long journey and all of that came into came into play at some point this year. And that's what I think I'm gonna take away most from playing my all five years and being able to play my fifth year at Satan, have so much fun and being able to relax. I was able to relax and take in so much more rather than being so focused on trying to get this win or, or so focused on trying to do this or, you know. I didn't feel like I was alone either. I felt like I was alone a lot of the time at Red Deer. Never felt like I was alone here which is another blessing.
0: Felt like a brotherhood, right?
1: Yeah. Whole family. Yeah. When I was at Red Deer, I never even hung out with the teammates, Hmm. with my teammates on Red Deer. Um, I was hanging out with my own group of friends, doing my own thing, and everything was fine. I was passing my classes. I was showing up. I was working hard. Everything was great. My teammates were great guys. We just didn't really have the same uh, interests outside of basketball, I guess. So, and I don't, it's not a bad thing. That's just how it was, right? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, Red Deer, Alberta i'm from seattle washington you know it's probably not too much of the same thing besides maybe watching a basketball game going to the bar get a beer and some wings or something maybe yeah you know
0: but it really helped that you had a couple guys from washington as well yeah with but, you
1: but like i go out at night you know i'm I'll, I'll never I'll, i won't be one to hide that <laughs> i go out to the club at night and uh a lot of the guys on the team at red deer didn't a lot of guys on team sa did so you know it was it was it was great so that season
0: at sate uh like you were saying, just one of your funnest seasons, and you knew you guys had a stacked team like the Warriors getting better.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And hence the KD, comparison. hence the KD comparison, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but it was encouraging to know your role as well, and everyone knew their role really yeah. at that point, uh, which I think led to so much success for you guys. Um, how hard is it to stay focused though when you're blowing teams
1: out by thirty points every night? The first half of the season was was for lack of a better word a joke. We knew we were gonna be the the best team in the province, let alone the best team in the country. We we still believe that to yeah. this day, even though you know I believe, W's didn't I believe come out. yeah. So, um the first half of the season we won by like an average of thirty points. It was fun because we're such a tight group of guys that even though we're not playing the fourth quarter, we want the other guys to score. So when the other guys would score, we're almost more invested than we are the first couple quarters when guys that always score, score. You know, they score. We're like, okay, yeah, three, you know, know, good. But when, like, Maver would hit a three or Taj would hit a three or or E-Man would come in and score, you know, Kilo or Enoch, you know, just the fact that I can say all those names, all those guys, you know, come in and can, you know, Wyatt even come in and give us buckets is is a blessing, right? A lot of teams can't say that they could play all 12 guys. We probably played all 12 guys or 13 guys. I don't know how many times this year, you know? And I don't know a lot of teams that can, that can say that. So our toughest times was in practice. Hmm. Our toughest times was in practice, 100%. I heard you had some pretty
0: intense practices though.
1: Oh man, I love we love practice. We we, we would be mad at, mad more mad at each other after practice than after after losing a game. We've been more mad when we lost to olds, we were more mad the practice coming out of it. No, like literally the I I remember us looking to old losing to olds and being in the locker room talking about it, hanging out, understanding we lost and moving on. And I've I remember some practices where the locker room is silent. And we're just getting on our stuff and we're getting out. And we don't want to talk to nobody. There's a couple times that me and Nick got into a practice. We lived together. I didn't even want to go home with him. I would have my friend come pick me up or I would take the bus home or whatever, right? Yeah. So our practices were so intense that when we came to games, it was all fun. It was all great. And even, like I said, even when we lost to Olds, it wasn't bad. Um, Obviously, that's the only time we lost before the national tournament. national tournament losses were a little bit different. But... I think we maintained our focus because we enjoyed blowing teams out. <laughs> we really enjoyed it. Winning's fun. Yeah, and when you know you're going to win and when you can go out there and really prove to everyone why you're going to win, you know, it's uh, it's it's obviously a blessing to be able to not stress about wins as much as maybe we should have. Mm-hmm. But, again, I don't think – anything in our regular season could prepare us for what we did at provincials or at nationals i think provincials was our team when we played at our best i think if the team that played at provincials shows up at nationals i think we win nationals mm-hmm. but that just, wasn't the case yeah we just didn't play the best ball of our life at the time we should have <laughs> talking about the acac championship
0: though obviously you guys won uh with relative ease, congratulations. Thank you. That was what you wanted to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and there was, I, I think I read somewhere um, where you took some time to just sit there with your medal and just reflect
1: on. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what were you thinking about at that point? Hard work pays off. That's all I was thinking about. Um, I told you high school, lost the championship game state championship game, college, first, second year in college, lost the championship game. (laughs) So two times I've been in the championship game and lost it. Two other times, I didn't even get there. So that's the first four years of college, plus the high school. And knowing I'm coming to state, knowing that what I've given up, pro contract, damaged relationships with Red Deer, being the track team, the track team. Yep. Kim Meridian's track team, all this man, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was just, I was consumed by my journey mm-hmm. that I told everybody I was going to come back here and get this. And, and I did. The year I got player of the year will never amount to winning a championship. Never. Who cares? I got player of the year. Who cares? You know, but.
0: That team victory is so much sweeter, I guess. Hey,
1: so much. Knowing what you sacrificed. I think that's the biggest thing is knowing what I sacrificed to be in that position and to be able to really play that position. And I'm not saying that I I would have been mad if it went down like this, but let's say John goes off for 35 a game or something and he wins MVP. You know, I'm still consumed with happiness because. I wanted the championship, but just the fact that I was able to really show the province and really the country Mm -hmm. that I came back to state didn't have the greatest year individually, had a great year on the team, took a back seat to John, really trying to get him player of the year, ended up not going that way, and um, was able to show everybody who I was in these three games and really i was just i just kept thinking to myself hard work pays off i worked so hard for this sacrifice is hard it's hard work sacrifice is still hard work it's hard work to sacrifice something you know that goes all into hard work pays off things you've sacrificed time you've spent doing things that no one else has done all that i was injured the whole tournament didn't tell anybody besides maybe five four five people outside of my team about my arm that was that was messed up um, Shooting arm? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I, I I don't I might have tore my tricep or st- severely strained it. That's painful. I'm telling you every and it's hard it's crazy to say because I averaged like 30 or something <laughs> and I, and I played great but every time out I was getting treatment on it before every shoot around after every shoot around after games ice before bed ice wake up stretch ice. Treatment, you know, massage. They were massaging all my chest and my back just to release the muscles around my arm. It was just constant, constant treatment. And I would just play through the pain. Obviously, when your adrenaline's going, you're not thinking about the pain. But after, you know, your arm is... My arm was just dead. And I'm thinking, I have another game tomorrow. Hmm. I have another game tomorrow. You know? And uh, all of that, all of that came in when, when Brody came over and asked me like when I was just sitting there everyone was taking pictures everyone I have over 200 pictures of people with trophies on my phone and I don't have one picture with the trophy Hmm. because I literally was just sitting over there by myself everybody's going bananas taking pictures and I'm just sitting there by myself like this is what I said I was gonna do I came back and I did it and I was I was just thankful thankful and I was exhausted I was hurting I was holding back tears. Everyone was telling me, you can cry. You can cry. You deserve this. You can cry. You know, I was mad because I got second team. That pissed me off. (laughs) It it was such such an accumulation of, of like, two years down to two days ago, you know, two Mm -hmm. days before that. All of that. So, it was just the perfect timing.
0: Obviously, you guys knew you were one of the best teams in the country, and coming off that high of winning the ACAC championship. What was your mindset as a team heading into nationals
1: and was it where it needed to be? I feel like we played really well at provincials and that was the team that we were. That's the team that we were the the regular season team that blew out every team in first semester that uh, had tough games, but won them that lost to olds. That team was a different team. We were built. For this run, these six games, these three provincial games, these three national games. And I saw it when we played at provincials, the team we could be. And I thought we were taking that. I'll tell it to you, like I like I said it right after we lost. If we would have played six straight days, six straight games, we would be national champions. But that two weeks off in between, it wasn't that we didn't prepare like we had prepared. It wasn't that we went in overconfident. Right. We were actually mad we didn't get the top seed. We were like the third seed, if you look at the bracketing, right? Because they were two number one seeds for each side. Right. We were the second. So, technically, we're the three or a four seed. Mm -hmm. So, we're already – we already have a chip on our shoulder. Um, Marty didn't get coach of the year. John didn't get player of the year. John did get all Canadian, and he got nominated for national player of the year. But he didn't end up getting that. You know, So, we have the same motivations. We have the same confidence. We're playing a team in VIU who – by all means, they played an excellent tournament; and they won, but I don't think anyone's going to tell you that is better than State. You should have won that game. I'm you just should've. gonna flat out say that you oh, had
0: f- you're up fifteen. Yeah, with what, like f- five seven minutes ago, something like that.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was around it was between ten fifteen points basically the whole second half until the last maybe six seven minutes, and then it just totally flipped. Hmm. We went extremely cold, and they started making every right play possible. Um, really felt like we had a disconnect between the players and the coaches we had had a good rapport before that a great understanding and I think we just kind of lost sync because I remember and I'm not going to bring up any specific instance but I remember a time where the coaches were telling the players to do one thing and we were thinking on the court why are we doing this we don't want to do this isn't what we should be doing mm. and I don't remember having them thoughts all year long uh, mm and I can't speak for anyone else cuz I don't know what everyone everyone's thinking yeah. but that was the first time all year that I had really been on the court like I don't know if I should do this. He's telling me to do this. I'm coachable. I'm going to go do it. But I don't know if we're going to do I don't know if why I don't know why he's doing this or whatever, you know? So it wasn't even we weren't mad at each other. There was no yelling. Nobody was yelling at each other. Nobody was going crazy. Um just felt a little off. It happened so fast. We were yeah. up by like 10. And before you knew it, we were down by like 10. Yeah. it happened That was the crazy so, part. It happened so fast. And it was shock. And I think a lot of things started to set in like, oh, we've lost the... These are thoughts that didn't set in with me because I wasn't on the team. But thoughts that have been people with the program. Mm-hmm. Oh, we mm-hmm. lost our first game last year. Oh, we lost the first game now two years in a row. You know? And cool. I can see that. I can see in people's eyes. I can see in people's mm. manners. Like, oh, no, not again. And this is when the game is still maybe in, you know, three, four points we're ahead or, you know, to the point where it was tied and then we started losing. It was right around that time, real pivotal time in the game where I thought we could have really came together. If you're not together, you're apart. Mm -hmm. We didn't come together, so I guess we fell apart, you know. The tough part was that you also didn't have a
0: halftime where you could make adjustments either. That all happened in the second half, right?
1: Yeah, that's another big thing, right? I remember coming out at halftime. I think we were up at fifteen or thirteen or something, yeah. and talking to Marty, and he's like, "Oh, they'll make a run," and I was like, "Yeah, they'll make a run, but they won't tie the game." And I remember I bet them five pushups. I said they won't. I think I said they won't get it within five, and it was fine for the whole third quarter. <laughs> then out of nowhere, something happened. I I haven't watched the game to this day. Um, my uh, my highlight tape. Yeah. Not one highlight from that game can't have a highlight from that game there's there's nothing good to take away from that game we we fell apart we didn't stay as a unit and at that time of year you can get away with that other times which is the crazy part cuz we never even had that mm. it wasn't like we've had that before we've been down before we were down 15 versus red deer in the fourth quarter stayed together came back you know we uh we were down in the tournament, in the provincial tournament. We were down to Concordia, came back. We were down to um Lakeland in the first first game. If we always stayed together. And then I don't know, something happened. We got to Nationals and something was different. I remember being after the game. Um obviously I yeah, was talking about Charlie. You know, I, I didn't know that he didn't score. I can't even mm. imagine what that what that did for him. Not not even scoring, you know. Um, he obviously came back and had a great tournament the next two the next two games. Ended up getting
2: Yeah, he was really good in that All-Star. second
1: game. Yeah, and he the was third amazing. game. And that's who and I was telling him all week. It was really hurtful for me and Charlie because I was telling him all week, I was saying, You're gonna have a, a crazy game. Cause at the provincial tournament, John and Charlie get first team. That's right, right yep, yep. Nick doesn't get anything at the banquet. I get second team. And then at the end of the tournament, I get tournament MVP. I was second team, got tournament MVP. Nick doesn't get an all conference award; he gets first team all star. John, who got all Canadian, gets first team all star. Charlie, who got first team, doesn't get anything. Is that crazy? That's nuts. Can you can you say another team that's that's, that's done that? You know, so it's like we had an all Canadian on our team. We had a we had. An all-Canadian. We had two all-Canadians because I was all-Canadian. We had an all-Canadian and an MVP. Two tournament MVPs. Multiple first-team all-conferences. No team can say that. And something happened. We just... Shots didn't fall. I don't remember us arguing. I don't remember us getting mad at each other. If you ever go back to watch the video, I
0: feel that when you had that lead, you started to play a little more individual ball. I think and so. A little less team focused.
1: 100%. We stopped doing what we what what got us there. The
0: ball movement, it was a lot of like one-on-one, I'll take this guy. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Um that's just my opinion, but
1: No, I I uh, I agree. I think at one point we had like I think Charlie tried to go one-on-one, lost the ball, turnover, they got a layup. We came down the exact next possession, I think John tried to go one-on-one, lost the ball, gave up another layup. Um, it had some very uncharacteristic, I have to, I have to tip they had off tip VIE's hat off, um, number five there. Uh, he, he had an assignment to guard me. He guarded me the whole game. It doesn't matter if I was at half court and we shot the ball, he was boxing me out. Mm-hmm. Um, I tipped my hat off to him. He played a great discipline game. He didn't get caught up trying to over help if he wasn't supposed to. He knew what his assignment was and he did it very well.
0: And you appreciate good defense.
1: I do. That's why I say I, I, he clearly watched film. He clearly knew who I was. I didn't know who he was. Hmm. I didn't really care. To this day, I, I really don't think he he still did anything to really make me want to change how I played against him because we lost it as a team, and it wasn't one guy that did it. They 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 played really well together. Um, number eight played really well. Number five. The other shooter, number number three, who was really well, really good, and they're their big guy. I don't remember; I think he's number seven and maybe fifteen. Was there?
0: But it was that team ball concept that brought them back.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then as as you said, as it as it got closer, then hero ball started to come. I I I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. By that point, I was frustrated. I didn't feel like I was getting the ball as much as I had got it before. Credit to his defense, but also. I felt like people were playing a little different. And um, so, obviously, with me being frustrated, I probably put up a couple shots that I didn't didn't need to force. But we win as a team. We lose as a team. You know, we take tough shots. We've done it all year. We take a lot of three-pointers. We've done it all year. So, I think our defense really fell apart because the biggest thing I can point to is we were frustrated with each other on offense, so we stopped talking on defense. Mm that was a huge thing we stopped rotating on defense we stopped talking we stopped helping the helper because we're frustrated with this person or we're frustrated with that person you know and that was that's just a selfish way to play basketball and three four minutes of that and we
0: lost look what happened right yeah, yeah.
1: whole thing fell apart
0: um so not the result you're looking for at nationals mm-hmm. but Still a lot of positives to take away from your final year. And what would you say you're most grateful for as you have wrapped up your collegiate career
1: uh, with that last this, year? This year? Yeah. Oh, it was 100%. One of the reasons I came to SAIT was because Nationals was going to be in BC. And I'm from Seattle. So my family was able to come up and watch me play. That's awesome. Um, Family this year was a big thing. One of the reasons I wanted to come back to college basketball one last time was because I wanted my family to see me play basketball. So my dad got to come up. You know, she saw us lose to olds. <laughs> and uh, so my dad got to see me play. And then my mom got to see me play. My mom, my, my aunties, my grandma, my, both my sisters, both their men that they're with, my sister's husband. They got married in December, so they're husband and wife now. Hey, I just congrats. started saying that. It's not That's my sister's right. boyfriend no more. It's my sister's husband. Um, so I, I, being able to see, have them see me play my last college basketball game was priceless. I, I couldn't even be mad that we didn't win the bronze, the silver, the gold, anything. Because I had won. The moment that I looked in the crowd and saw my mom sitting there, saw my sisters, all them. it was It was amazing. I could never imagine. Seeing my grandma, my mom, my sister, and my niece. It's four generations of our family all got to see me play basketball. You know? It's amazing. It's like amazing. full circle. Amazing. Yeah. So just that, being able to say that I—that my mom was able to play, and my mom was able to watch me play, my dad was able to watch me play, and winning ACAC gold are definitely probably the three top top moments I have take away from this year. So now that you're done your collegiate career –
0: And now you know that pro basketball is on the horizon. You've already got that taste of it. Uh, What are you looking for now in terms of, you know, country to play in, program, league, coach, like we've been harping on the entire podcast? Uh, What's important to you as you start to navigate your way through the professional world of
1: basketball well, obviously last year when me playing in Germany, I was just trying to get my foot in wherever, right? So this year I I feel like I can be a little bit more picky, although not too picky cuz you don't want to miss an opportunity. But I uh I definitely want to play somewhere where they speak more English, if that's possible. I played a whole season in Germany didn't have one conversation with my coach. Wow. Didn't have one conversation with my coach. He had like three signs he would tell me, he'd point out his w- wrist if I took a shot too fast, like too fast, too quick on the shot clock, um, like play stronger defense. He would like make a make a f uh strength with his arms, you know, he would like urge me on, like more defense, and then he would um he would say just a uh, bad shot. Bad shot. Sometimes I took a great shot, but it was quick. Like, take a little more time, you know? But uh the other one was just bad shot. There was literally the only three things he said. And like twice it happened in a timeout, we were like a, he was like, Jacob, tell Ian this. And Jacob would point to me and say, okay, listen to it. But I'm telling you, we would sit in halftime, 15 minutes in the locker room, and he would talk, talk, German, German, German. And I wouldn't know nothing. We'd walk out, back out to the court, and uh, somebody would say, yo, he just wants you to rebound and get out in transition more or, or whatever, you know? We're going to hedge on screens, anything like that, you know? And that was it. That was the whole season. So this year... Or next year, I would really like to have a coach that, if not doesn't know English, wouldn't just be so removed from trying to talk to me. Mm-hmm. So obviously the coach relationship is another big thing like we've been talking about. So, But uh, I would like to play in Australia. That would be like my dream job. Australia, they already speak English. It's a great country. It's a thriving country. It's a growing country.
0: Basketball's huge down there.
1: Basketball is huge. They have one of the best leagues in the world. So that would be my dream. Just being in the South Pacific in general, basketball is pretty big down there. Over there in general, it'd be really cool to play over there. Cause when I was in Germany, Ger- basketball is not, by any means, one of the most popular sports. Right. Our handball yeah. team would sell out. Our- yeah,
0: handball is huge over there. Soccer is yeah. huge over there.
1: But basketball, maybe a hundred people. Hmm. You know, handball, two thousand people. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think uh, location. Definitely, at least somewhere, I want to enjoy these last couple of years. I think I can play professional basketball for another three, four or five years and then come back to reality. <laughs> but I'd like to either find a great situation and be able to build in that situation or use basketball as a vessel, as a ticket to see the world in maybe three, four different countries.
0: That's perfect, Ian. Uh, thank you so much for joining me here on Story Island. You did bring a ton of stories, which I'm so <laughs> grateful for. Um, but, yeah, happy to have you on. And, yeah, let's reconnect after uh, you are done your pro career.
1: Oh, for sure, man. I appreciate everything you're doing here, man. This is awesome. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Reading the Play. For more content, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And you can also download other episodes at sportcalgary.ca. Be sure to check out the Facebook page, Reading the Play, and to stay up to date on the latest news, including new episodes, make sure to follow on Instagram at Reading the Play, or myself, Jeremy Lee, at Legacy. I really hope there's a piece of Ian's story that impacts, inspires, and ignites you to help you win your day. And as always, I'll catch you in the next episode.